everybody, Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts and you can see the list of them on the homepage at justthenews.com. Today, what's really happening on the U.S.-Mexico border, it impacts all of us. And not only isn't it widely being reported, officials say it isn't being addressed and the crisis is only growing worse. This border crisis impacts all of us, sometimes in invisible ways, at least ways that are invisible to us in our daily lives. For example, according to official government statistics originally gathered under the Obama administration, at least one in four or five prison inmates in the U.S. are illegal immigrants who committed more crimes in the U.S., including murder, rape, drug crimes and terrorist acts. This percentage of illegal immigrants populating our prisons and jails belies the false claims you may have heard widely disseminated and reported in the media, I guess without people checking it out, that say illegal immigrants commit fewer crimes on average than American citizens. The fact is the statistics show they're committing crimes at a much higher rate because they do not account for one in four or one in five of our entire population in the U.S., yet they are at least that much of the population in our jails and prisons. I say at least because, and I've reported on this before, those are just the ones that we know about. Not all jail and prison systems report their statistics to the FBI and to federal officials in a way that can be tracked. So that's the minimum number that we know of. So these criminals have cost taxpayers a collective billions of dollars to house and feed and prison You probably already know we're spending billions of dollars on the unaccompanied minors, those under 18 that need to be cared for after they cross. We're spending billions in workforce for Border Patrol and other federal agents to process the illegal border crossers rather than the time they're supposed to be spending guarding the border. They are released into communities, local towns and cities, and those local towns and cities are bearing the burden of caring for them. Sometimes this includes hospitalization for COVID and other illnesses. And sometimes they're getting reimbursed from us federal taxpayers. And of course, there's the drug crime cost, the pipelines that go, for example, from Arizona to Chicago, and are a big part of why there's all that violence in Chicago that costs so much in terms of lives, policing, and other money. There's a big human trafficking factor. There are all kinds of crimes being committed as Children and adults are being moved across the border and sold into prostitution or used as virtual slaves uh, in work camps and so on. We're educating the illegal border crossers and their children in our schools. They're getting free lunches, which are paid for by taxpayers. They receive countless benefits. It's very costly. So it's easy to see the ones who aren't criminals. There are so many of them that you may encounter in your daily life who seem to be really good people, contributors to our society hard workers. And so it's easy to really feel for them, but it's hard to reconcile the process that's being used for all of this and how it actually hurts them, encourages them to come across under dangerous circumstances and to be exploited here by having them work for far below sometimes the minimum wage. A week from Sunday, we're talking September 12th. I'll be talking about all of this as I kick off my seventh season 
of my Sunday TV program, Full Measure, with an investigation into the border crisis. Heavily covered earlier this year by many in the media, the coverage is trailed off a bit, but the problem has not, as you'll see. The added component, the added complication compared to some of my earlier visits, coronavirus. I wanted to see if it was true that the illegal border crossers are not being tested for coronavirus before they're being released here in the U.S. You hear a lot of rumors, but I've learned not to just believe what I read or what I hear on other media. Well, today you're going to hear my interview with Laredo, Texas, Mayor Pete Sines. This is a community, Laredo, that is a majority Hispanic community with many ties to Mexico right on the border. They're very pro-Mexico. They do a lot of business with legal Mexicans who cross the border and do a lot of purchasing. But at the same time, they are vehemently pro-border enforcement because they really have to deal more immediately than the rest of us with the impact of the illegal border crossers, as you'll hear. Here's Laredo, Texas Mayor Pete Sines. And as a side note, you will hear him use a couple of abbreviations when he says RGV, that's the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, RGV, And when he says NGO, that's non-governmental organization or organizations. NGOs, that's sort of the anacronym used for nonprofits and charities and other non-government groups that may coordinate with the government or get money and contracts from the government to do certain things. So here's Mayor Sines. The Valley area has been overwhelmed uh, with migrants, as as we know. Uh, So uh, the city of Laredo has been receiving closely to about 200, a little over 200 per day from RGV. It got to the point that some of those migrants were, were infected with, with COVID. The last group or two that was brought in were testing 35, 40% positive. And of course, that was a very much of a concern. And it got to the point that uh, the holding institute, that NGO, was placed in quarantine. And, of course, when you're placed in quarantine, you really can't accept any more. And their capacity was 75 positives, but those positives uh, bring family members with them. So uh, their net capacity was was about 225 or so. So anyway, that meant that the NGOs uh, couldn't receive any more of these migrants. And Border Patrol uh, was very blunt and very clear, saying, look, be that as it may, we're still bringing migrants to your city. And... And if the NGOs have exceeded capacity, we're just going to have to drop them off in your plazas or at the bus station or your streets. And, of course, that was that truly rang the alarm for us. Before we move past that, that's almost unthinkable that you have no say in the fact that there are undocumented migrants or illegal immigrants that come in, that Border Patrol processes without testing, by the way, and then just tells you they're going to bring them to your city by the hundreds and drop them off? Yes, that's correct. And their reasoning was that the Laredo uh, sector, uh, Laredo, Texas, you know, has the, the adequate infrastructure. They've got personnel here. They've got facilities. So but, you have to use your resources and money to take care of matters. Uh, well, no, well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, so Border Patrol, they're using Laredo, their, their station here, because they've got personnel and the facilities to, to process these migrants uh, uh, to clear them for asylum uh, claims so to speak. Uh, and then it, it became evident you know, to us that uh, because of the NGO situation and the COVID-19 situation, and then on top of that, we, we ended up with really no hospital capacity. We, we have very extremely limited 
hospital capacity in the last eight days, as an example, we've had zero ICU beds. Over the last seven or eight weeks, we've had about two, three bed, you know, just regular beds, uh, hospital beds availability. Uh, so, uh, and, and then we've had from 30 to 40 people per day waiting for rooms uh, here in our local hospitals. Uh, so uh, council took the uh, position that we had to stop them. So we filed a lawsuit against the federal government uh, asking for a, a temporary restraining order, basically saying, let's halt, let's, let's stop this buses of migrants coming to our city because we can't, you know, we don't have the NGO capacity, much less the hospital uh, capacity as well. Uh, so uh, we did follow the lawsuit. Um, in the course of that, uh, it, it was obvious to us it was going to take longer than what we thought. So we, we entered into an understanding and arrangement with Border Patrol. In essence, they'll continue to bring these migrants with, you know, in these buses to Laredo. But uh, as soon as they, they process them uh, for the asylum claims here in Laredo, then they'll, they'll deliver them to a facility that the city of Laredo leased. It's primarily a, a parking area. There's a warehouse, but we're not using the warehouse for the migrants. It's just a parking area. It's a staging area. So they actually uh, transport these migrants a few blocks from their border patrol station, which is convenient for everyone. And they drop them off. And then as soon as they drop them off, we do have goodies for them, bathroom areas, snacks, whatever, uh, things uh, you know, for the children to, to entertain themselves. And then they quickly board the buses. Uh, these are you know, air-conditioned buses. And as soon as a bus is filled, then uh, we're transporting them. Uh, primarily, we began with Dallas and Austin and Houston. It turned out that that uh, Dallas was getting expensive, so we were focusing on Austin and Houston. And then we learned that Austin was worse off uh, also, too, medically. Uh, so we've decided to maybe now focus more on Dallas and Houston. Wait, wait, let me get this straight. They're coming into the McAllen area. They're being bused or taken here to Laredo, and then you are busing or taking them to Austin, Dallas, and Houston. Correct, correct, at, at a cost of between $8,000 to $10,000 a day, mind you. Uh, and uh, although we've spoken to FEMA, and, and FEMA is, is willing to, to reimburse us. So uh, thank goodness you know, we can get uh, reimbursed for those expenses. Uh, so the busing continues. We began the busing last Thursday. Uh, it's been, what, seven days now? Uh, so close to seven days, and uh, that's that's been our operation. Uh, Border Patrol brings them; we uh, they deliver them to our bus facility. You know, we become basically a busing agency in the city of Laredo. Uh, so we're busing people out of Laredo, not because we don't want to treat them; it's because we can't. Uh, you know, it's, it's an impossibility at this point, simply because of the hospital. You know, very limited hospital capacity that we have. Back with more after a short break. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab for a great way to do that. We just designed some thought-provoking beach towels for summer you'll love to show off and make a statement with at the beach or the pool or hang them in your guest bathroom. They feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the ION Awards for Off-Narrative Accurate Reporting. Visit CherylAckison.com and click the Store tab. 
We're back with Laredo, Texas Mayor Pete Sines. I come to the border a couple times a year and just do see what's going on. Things were very different the last couple trips I've made versus this time. And this is really something different than I've seen before when I was in McAllen. In the overall trend, I know you guys are just dealing day to day with what do we have to do with what's happening to us, but what would you say or tell people who live in other parts of the country about what you're seeing and what's going on and how it's being handled by the federal government? I would say it's chaos. It's, un- it's uncontrollable. Uh, we need order. Uh, the border needs to be secured. If the border is, is uh, thoroughly secured or, or to a point where it's manageable, uh, then I would say it's, it's, it's okay, yeah, but it's not okay. Uh, they're basically, we're being inundated. Border Patrol is overwhelmed. They need resources. We're basically asking the federal government, uh, uh, Secretary Mayorkas, uh, he'll be here tomorrow uh, in the Valley area, basically to, to, to halt it, you know, to, to, you know, to place a moratorium, to pause it uh, so we can gather and see what we have and then send resources so we can tend to uh, the people that are here. So in other words, uh, you know, stop this flow. Uh, uh, you know, this flow is uncontrollable. Uh, so there's got to be some, some order. Uh, and, uh, and for us, it translates, you know, this, this disorder or chaos uh, is translating into these migrants being bust. But we also have another area of concern here in our city, and that's the stash houses. Uh, Laredo is unique as compared to other Border Patrol sectors in that we receive single adults more so than family units or, uh, or unaccompanied children. 96% of the people that we that cross through here, the Laredo area, are single adults. That uh, uh, some of these folks, you know, end up in, in stash houses or stash homes, basically throughout the the community, uh, and and they pose a, a danger risk. Uh, these stash homes are organized by criminal, you know, through criminal activity, uh, connections to the cartels. We have local gangs that, that basically are in charge here. Uh, luckily, we have <clears throat> a lot of federal presence, and, and we're very safe. We're a very safe city. Uh, but the question I usually uh, uh, ask is, for how long? If we don't get those federal resources, more Border Patrol people here, and at the rate that the influx of these migrants coming in and, and occupying these, these homes, uh, these stash houses, uh, these stash houses then translate into uh, tractor trailer loads going north, uh, train loads going north, uh, and and there's uh, criminal activity, there's money, there's drugs, there are women, children. I'm not saying all the people that they have there are, are bad people because they're not, but truly the organizers are uh, because they're, they're profiting from this uh, human smuggling uh, ventures that they have. Uh, and of course it, it also poses a a uh, risk for our people, bystanders. Uh, they're in the community and we have pursuits which end up in crashes uh, where actually some of the migrants have actually died. Uh, uh, one of the uh, people that, that uh, reported on, the, on a stash home, a young lady, I'm, I'm told, was abducted and then tortured uh, uh, for having reported that stash house here uh, locally. Uh, so it's, it's, it's to the point that if, if it's not uh, controlled in the very near future, uh, it can also uh, lead to, to something that, that can be extremely dangerous for us. And I'm, I, as a mayor, I'm very concerned. Uh, this is why I've been asking for resources, Border Patrol, please send resources. So 
you know, we can root this out. But the cause of this is because the border is not secure. We need to secure the border. Right? You secure the border adequately. You know, you'll eliminate the stash homes. You'll eliminate some of the, uh, the asylum seekers. And granted, once they, these asylum seekers cross into the U.S., they're basically legal because they're claiming asylum. Uh, but there's got to be a better way. And, and I'm proposing that, that these folks not be forced to, to make this trick to the border here. Uh, you know, have them apply in the country of origin or somewhere close to those countries of origin, have safe places for them, and, and do that remotely if we can, uh, uh, because it's, it's truly creating a, a mess, and it is a mess, uh, and, and there's got to be a better way. Uh, we should be embarrassed, frankly, as Americans, uh, to, to have a system that is in chaos, but in fact, uh, I know we're so much more capable uh, of, of doing something so much better. Uh, so it's... it's well, the, the border has been in trouble sometimes under Democrats, sometimes under Republican presidents. So it's not always just a political Correct. party thing. Um, but I think right now in today's polarized environment, Americans who aren't down here on the border, they hear complaints and they don't know what to believe. They think maybe there are some opponents of Biden or tr supporters of Trump who are complaining about the border, maybe it's not that bad or not that serious a situation, and that Democrats are on one side, Republicans are another. Right. What would you tell them about that down here? I, as a mayor, just look at my city. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. What, what is working for my city? What is in the best interest of my city? And I can tell you, as a, as a non-political, try to, not to get into the politics so deeply, uh, that that whatever system is now in place is not working. It's truly not working. Uh, and we see it every day. Uh, and uh, we experience it every day. And it's got to change. Uh, and we've been asking for help for months now. So uh, something's got to be done. Uh, you know, this can't, this is not sustainable. It's unacceptable. Uh, and uh, we need change. Uh, and if it's a matter of, uh, you know, every president brings their policies. President Trump brought his policy about a wall. And, and sure, it divided our community. Uh, President Biden, my understanding, ran on a virtual wall, which is really a smart uh, wall, so to speak. Uh, and we haven't seen any implementation of any of those elements, which are primarily more personnel, technology, uh, road building along the river banks, uh, so there can be more accessibility by Border Patrol. You know, clearing of sites, uh, so Border Patrol you know, has a better you know, approach uh, to the you know, river frontage. Uh, None of that. Uh, so, you know, what do we expect? I mean, what, what's coming? Uh, it, it, it takes me to the point that maybe that's the status quo is their policy. Uh, and if it is, that's very sad uh, because we at the border are experiencing that, that, uh, that, that risk, that danger, uh, the, the burden. Uh, it's very unfair for a federal policy to, uh, to be had, but yet expect the locals to to uh, safeguard it or, 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 or you know, implement it for you. Uh, the federal government, if, you, if that's your policy, and that's fine, but implement it, package it, organize it, uh, operate it for us, and finance it. Uh, uh, but I haven't seen any of that. Is this the worst you've seen? I, I've been mayor close to seven years, and, and yes. yes. This truly is the worst I've seen. What are you hearing from your counterparts, colleagues, friends, and neighbors on the Mexican side of the border across from Laredo about what's going on? 
Well, obviously, they're, they've got their issues, too. Uh, you know, they've got, uh, uh, you know, the rule of law is not necessarily followed there, but thank goodness that there's strong semblances yet here of uh, the rule of law, and we're doing everything possible to, to keep that. That's what distinguishes us from them, uh, from, uh, from the Mexican you know, counterpart. But yet we're a region. We're interdependent. The border area is very unique. Uh, you know, people don't necessarily understand that. No, yes, we're Americans, uh, and we, we're proud of our country and our flag. Uh, they're just as proud of their country and their flag. But yet, we're interdependent. We're an organism. You know, we need them, the shoppers, and vice versa. So there's uh, commerce, uh, international trade. We're the number one land port in the entire America. So we did over $320 billion worth of trade uh, you know, the last year or two. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, Mexico prides himself, too, on, on our sister port here in Nuevo Laredo, and, that's, and that connects us, the business, the commerce uh, uh, connects us, and, and we can't, and, and we got to live together here, uh, uh, but yet, you know, we, we need to respect our laws, and, and, uh, and we need to respect their laws as well, uh, so to answer your question is, you know, they just want it to, to work, uh, and it's more us uh, basically complaining because we're taking the brunt of that burden, and, uh, and it's unfair. So f- since, what is it, March of 2020, non-essential, let's say, shoppers from Mexico that come, were coming over here sometimes a couple times a week and shopping haven't been allowed to do that. Right, and that's, that's very true, uh, and, uh, and we've been hurting. I mean, our downtown area is desolate. I mean, it's dead, uh, just about. Uh, over 120 uh, storefronts have actually closed, and we're not sure whether they're coming back or not. And that's concerning. Uh, uh, so, yes, I mean, we, we've been hit from all sides. Uh, and uh, what we're saying is, if, if anything, open it up and you know, open up to non-essential so they can come into the U.S. and get vaccinated. You know, we need protection. You know, the vaccine is, is, a, is the protection that we all need. Uh, here in Laredo, the people that, that haven't been vaccinated is because they don't want to. Uh, you know, they're choosing not to get vaccinated. Luckily, it's just a small percentage. Uh, so we're saying we have ample uh, surplus supplies. Why not bring our Mexican counterparts within the region because we're, we're a region uh, and get them protected as well through vaccines here in the U.S. Uh, uh, and, and when they're here, they may help our economy too uh, by shopping or, or staying at our hotels and restaurants and so on. So uh, it's, it's encouraging to to hopefully invite these people and, and uh, uh, you know, take care of their health needs, but also, you know, they could help us economically as well. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Laredo, Texas Mayor Pete Sines. Remember to watch for the debut of season seven of my Sunday TV news program, Full Measure, on Sunday, September 12th. You can go to CherylAckeson.com to see the list of TV stations. It's under the Full Measure tab. And you can watch live on Sunday or replays anytime if you don't watch on TV at fullmeasure.news online. That's fullmeasure.news. You can also watch live or replays on our app, STIR, S-T-I-R-R. Lots of other cool programs on STIR, too. Check out justthenews.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and all the Just the News podcasts wherever you like to listen. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. 
All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a MyPillow a few years ago, and all of a sudden, my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. I, it was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new My Slippers. You want the best slipper ever, the best foot experience late at night. Well, Mike has got, he took over two years to develop this. He designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long. It's comfortable, it's durable. It's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper. And it's made with quality leather suede. They look good, they feel good, they wear good. For a limited time now, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. You will also receive a free book with any purchase. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. It's a great gift, especially heading into Springtown. So here, here's what you do. You go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's easy to remember, right? The promo code JUSTNEWS and you will get deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets the MyPillow mattress topper, and of course, the MyPillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those My Slippers. You gotta have them, they're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 800-951-3715 and use the promo code Just News when someone picks up. Call 800-951-3715, use the promo code Just News. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper sheet pillow experience of your life.